Anyway, hi, my name's Paul. Call me Paulie. Good to see you this morning, and uh, yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with my church family today. Got a quick question for you to kind of kick things off and don't answer out loud. Something to ponder, something to think about. What's the darkest place you've ever been in? Like, like the darkest place. Like, and when I ask that question, I mean physically darkest place, absence of light, can't see anything around you. You got something in mind? Spoiler alert, that's what I'm going to talk about. I don't know who said that, but uh, you just, no, it's okay. It's okay. That, that is it. Um, several years ago, Janet, the kids, and I, when our kids were quite younger, we took a little mini family vacation, and we went to the Lewis and Clark Caverns. And if you've been there, it sounds like, who's been to the Lewis and Clark Caverns? Wow. Good job. Montana's oldest state park. And maybe you experienced what I did. We get down there, we're looking at stalactites, stalagmites, whatever they're called, and all of a sudden, the tour guide said, I want to tell a little story. And in order to tell the story, he turned off the lights for a minute or two. He proceeds to tell the story, and he wanted us to experience complete darkness, utter darkness, and it was. If you experience that, you know, I mean, I put my hand in front of my face, started waving it two inches away, couldn't see it, couldn't see a thing. Nothing. Like I said, maybe you experienced that too. If you've never been to the Lewis and Clark Caverns and had that, maybe you've been in a cave, a tunnel, or something else. But there's something you need to know about me. I share a little bit here and there, and it's this. I do deal with a little claustrophobia. Anybody have that problem too? I don't like to be in like confined places where, yeah, it just feels like it's closed in. Uh, for example, I could never, ever, ever, ever be a spelunker. You know what a spelunker is? These people are crazy. That's what it is. They, they, they explore caves. Okay, you can take that picture off. That picture's making me nauseous. Thank you. I mean, they've got to kind of needle their way into tight places along little corridors, things like that. I can't even imagine. I wouldn't even, yeah, it makes me nauseous. No thanks. Those spelunkers can keep their spelunking to themselves. And so as we're traveling down to the bottom of the Lewis and Clark Caverns, uh, every now and then, Janet, and I'm in the back of the line, in the back in case I need to turn around and get out of there, you know what I mean? But every now and then, Janet's like, how you doing? You doing okay? You're hanging in there. And I was, I did okay, actually. I, I held my own even when the lights went off because I knew that it was just going to be for a minute, to, minute or two that the lights were off, just for a little while. Even when we, didn't, we went into the, the caverns to begin with, I knew that the tour itself lasted a couple hours. It was going to last just a little while. You know those four words, just a little while, gave me great comfort at the bottom of the Lewis and Clark Caverns. But there's kind of a flip side to those four words, just a little while, isn't there? I mean, if you've ever been on like an epic once-in-a-lifetime vacation, you know how that feels? It starts one day and it seems like it's over the next in just a little while. Great day on the river. Boy, that sure goes by fast. Just a little while. I mean, I look back on my own life and those days, those times when I was the most physically fit in the best shape of my life, that seemed to last just a little while. Who's with me on that one? Amen. I heard that. Or if you've had kids grow and leave the home and we're facing that now, you know that you have them just for a little while, that they're with you. And the older you get, the more you realize that life, it sure goes by fast. It seems like we're here just a little while. Just a little while. Those, those words can certainly bring comfort when we find ourselves in a dark place. But they can also kind of be a little unnerving, a little unsettling when we recognize just how fast life goes by. Just a little while. That's the problem we're going to be dealing with today. Those four words. So if you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 12. We'll be looking at the last third, essentially, 
portion of John chapter 12. Open your Bibles. We have Bibles in the seats in front of you if you need one. And I hope by the end of this message that you don't look back on it and say, wow, Paul took forever. I hope instead you look back and it lasted just a little while, all right? All right, here we go. We better start with prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks that we have a little while here with you. We have eternity with you. We have a little while together to look at your word, a little while to leave this place transformed. And so, Holy Spirit, we come as your people, desperate in need to hear a word from you. Would you speak to us? Would you transform us in these next few moments so that we leave here looking more like the king we serve? And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You know, I remember a seminary professor making a comment about the Gospel of John, and he said a good way to approach this book is to look at large sections of the text and then step back and ask yourself, what does this tell me about who Jesus is? And that's really what we're doing with this sermon series. That's what we're doing, and we're going to do that today as well, because the Gospel of John, we see that he demonstrates and he shows that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Lamb that was slain on our behalf. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he is the light of the world. And it's that final attribute, that final aspect of Jesus that we're focusing on in this sermon series. We kicked that off last weekend. And by the way, Pastor Philip gave a great message as we began this sermon series. If you missed it, you ought to check it out. It's online. But we looked at the very first five verses, John chapter 1, kind of the prologue to this book. And right off the bat, John chapter 1, in those verses, we see that Jesus is the Word. He is God. And then last week, we looked at verses 4 and 5, which say this, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what we sang about. That's what we saw in the little video. And what a promise that is. You know, if there's one thing that I hope we all leave with at the end of this sermon series, if there's one reminder that we hold on to, let it be this. That Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness will never overcome him. Let me say that again. Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness will never overcome him. I think that's a reminder I need, we all need every single day. And as much as John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 acted like a prologue, what we're looking at today in John chapter 12 kind of bookends those verses. And you may be thinking, well, now, wait a second. How does John chapter 12 act as a bookend? Aren't there another nine chapters in this book in John? Doesn't it end in chapter 21? And you would be correct, it does. But John chapter 21, or 12 really represents the conclusion of Jesus' public ministry. From John chapter 13 onward, he's with his disciples, preparing for his death. But in John chapter 1, all the way through chapter Three plus years of public ministry, times when he preached the gospel. He healed the sick, caused the blind to see, the lame to walk. He cast out demons. He confronted the religious elite. He, he was a dispenser of God's mercy and grace to the crowds. He brought dead people back to life. And here in John 12, the hour has now come. The conclusion of Jesus' public ministry is upon the people. And really, things seem to be at a fever pitch in this chapter. The light of Christ is shining brightly, but the forces of darkness are doing whatever they can to try to extinguish it. 
And so the words written in red here at the end of this, at this end of this chapter represent Jesus' final message during his public ministry recorded in John. So clearly what he has to say is important. And what he has to say to the crowds, he says with urgency, with passion, because we see that he cries out. And as much as I would love to look at every single verse, if we did that, I'll tell you what, we'd be here a little longer than just a little while. So we're going to kind of do a high flyover here of the end of John 12, and we'll kind of hone in on three verses in particular, 35, 36, and 46, because these represent really the light verses. So follow along if you would. I'll read 35, 36, and 46 in your Bibles. I think we also have these uh, verses up on the screen. Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. And then in verse 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. And it's right there in the beginning, there, verse 35, that we see the four words that we're focusing on today. Jesus tells this crowd full of mostly unbelieving people that he's going to be with them just a little while longer, just a little while longer that they have the light. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, it's interesting when Jesus came into the world, when he was born, we'll be celebrating that in just a few weeks but we know that the Magi, they followed a bright star in the sky, the star of Jesus, and that's what led them to Jesus. Also, on the night he was born, we're told that the angels proclaimed a message to the shepherds, and the shepherds were terrified. <laughs> I bet they about had a heart attack because the glory of God shone around them and lit up the night sky. You see, when Jesus was born, he came into a dark world, and with him came the light. But the Scriptures also say that when he was crucified... On that day, from noon to three in the middle of the day, darkness filled the sky. The sun didn't shine. That's what happened. The sky went dark. And here in John, we know that that time is upon Jesus. A time where he would be crucified. Soon, Jesus would be gone. And without Jesus, people are plunged into the darkness. Because that's the natural state of the world. And I also want you to notice one other thing about verses 35 and 36, if you would. I think we've got them back on the screen. But Jesus uses the word while. It's underlined. He uses it three different times. And he's saying, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. So you just have a little while to walk in the light, a little while to believe in the light so that you may become children of light. And it's those three verbs, you see this in your outline in the worship guide this morning that are going to form our outline today. I believe these are the three major points that Jesus is making here as he gives really one of his last final public messages in John. He's saying, you got a little while longer to walk, to believe, and to become. Walk, believe, become. Would you say those three with me? Walk, believe, become. One more time. Walk, believe, become become. Good. And so let's start with that first one. Because right there in 35, we see that Jesus says, walk while there is the light. 
Walk while there is the light. Now, when he says this to the audience that he's speaking to, I believe certainly they would have had a pretty clear picture. Something would have come to mind because the first time that Jesus introduces himself as the light of the world is back in John 8, 12. You don't have to turn there. You can if you'd like. But this is what John chapter 8, verse 12 says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you know, Jesus spoke those words during a certain time, something that was happening amongst the people. They were celebrating a certain feast, a certain festival. You check this out in John chapter 7. It was called the, the Festival of Tabernacles, otherwise known as the Festival of Booths, also known as the Festival of Sukkahs. You may remember we talked about this in Jonah. And I like to pause occasionally because, and maybe I do this a lot, but you know what? Don't you love how God's Word fits together? Man can't make this up. For me, that's a faith builder. But the people are, are experiencing, they're celebrating this thing called the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, we didn't talk about this during Jonah, but one of the things that happens is there's a ceremony where they light lamps. They light candelabras. They light four of them. Sounds pretty familiar what we do during the Advent season when we write, light four candles, right? But their candles that they lit back then, they were massive, many feet tall. And I'm told that the candles, those candelabras, that they would, they would literally light up the city of Jerusalem. Think about that. That's what took place during the Festival of Tabernacles. But then at the end of the feast, at the end of the festival, the lights would go out. They would extinguish them. And the people were reminded, and many of them had to walk home at night. They walked home in the darkness. So what Jesus is saying here in chapter 12, verse 35, would have certainly resonated with them and given them quite a clear picture because he says this, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the darkness does not know where they are going. Now, certainly Jesus is talking about this from a spiritual perspective, but I want you to think about what he's doing because he's trying to break through to the people before darkness overtakes them. He's encouraging them to walk in the light while they've got it, before darkness overtakes them. As I thought about this point, it reminded me of a, a hunting trip that I took many, many years ago. I went to a new place, never been there before. I was out there by myself, which is probably the first bad idea. And you can probably guess how this went. But I'm out there, really didn't know where I was, but checking things out. And all of a sudden, it begins to get dark and darker. And I realize, you know, it's probably a good idea for me to get back to where I need to be. So I go into my bag to get my headlamp, get my flashlight, and voila, I had left it at home. I had completely forgot about it. Bad idea number two. I didn't have a cell phone, had no light, no source of light to light my path. So I'm like, okay, I can... I can maybe just start heading back the direction that I think I should go. Now, again, it's cloudy, it's cold. About this time, it begins to snow. And something else about me, I have like zero sense of direction. East, west, north, south, don't ask me. I couldn't tell you unless it's pretty obvious. I mean, just yesterday, we went to Kellen's wrestling meet in Livingston and uh, at the school there, and there was a couple of lefts to get into the gym. Coming out of the gym, I'm like, where do I, Janet, can you tell me where to go? Because I have no clue. So that's the scenario. It's getting darker, starting to snow. I take off, and after a little while, I come back, and well, I, uh, lo and behold, I, I cut some fresh tracks, and they were mine. I'd gone in a big circle, which I think is pretty common for people that are lost. And now I'm getting scared because it's, it's really beginning to get dark and cold, and I'm beginning to think, okay, I might be spending the night out here. 
I'm going to have to build a temporary little shelter. What's going to happen? And I'm praying. And then I remembered some power lines that I had crossed earlier. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll follow the power lines. They must lead to something. Maybe they'll lead to a structure, a house, and I can get some help. So I begin to follow them, and for quite a while, I'm going along, following the power lines, and I crest this hill, a little berm, and as I do, there in the distance, I see a little outline of something, and I'm starting to get kind of excited. My heart's pumping. As I get closer and closer, it's a beautiful image. It's a beautiful thing, and you know what it was? Right where I had parked it earlier in the day was the 92 Dodge Ram. (laughs) You know the... The 92 Dodge that I seem to have for just a little while. <laughs> All right, never mind. That was, from, that was from a couple weeks ago, and I tried to promise that I'd never talk about the thing again, so please forgive me. But I do want to say this, because many of you have asked me, Paul, how you doing with that, the loss of that thing? And here's my answer. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just fine, really. I, I, I'm fine. I really am. But, you know, all joking aside, how foolish, how foolish of me to be caught in that kind of situation, caught out in the dark with, with zero light, zero preparation to light the path. And spiritually speaking, how foolish to think that we can hang out in the darkness. How foolish to stay in the darkness because that's where people are lost, eternally lost. And I believe that's really what Jesus is going after here in verse 35. And yet, it seems like in our flesh, in our nature, we a lot of times will say things like, you know, in just a little while, I'll take Jesus seriously. I'll begin to follow him, go down the right path. Maybe in just a little while, I'll do that. Someday, maybe I'll do that. Or we say things like, you know, in just a little while, I'll take his word seriously. I'll study the Bible and use it as a light for my path. Maybe in just a little while. And you know what that just a little while turns into? In just a little while, the darkness overtakes us. Just a little while. In that case, is not a good thing. And I know this is sobering, but these aren't my words. This is Jesus' words in his word. Just a little while. It kind of reminds me of a, another portion of Scripture, Genesis 4, where God says to Cain this. Cain, beware. Cain, sin is crouching at your doorstep, and it wants to have you. It wants to overtake you. You see, darkness and sin crouches at our doorstep too. Wants to overcome, wants to overtake us. Beware. And so here's how I want to summarize verse 35. It should be in your worship guides. But this is what I want to say about this. The darkness will never overcome the light. But it can overcome you. Should be pens in the seat pocket in front of you. If you would fill out those five blank lines. But it can overcome you. It's important. Again, I know this is heavy, but if we miss this, we're missing really what Jesus is trying to say. Darkness will never overcome the light of Christ. No way. We are encouraged by that. But apart from Jesus, apart from him, when we don't walk with him, the darkness will overtake us. And it will. It will. That's why we have to walk in the light. And there's something about that word, that verb walk. It's a continuous behavior. It's active. Not a one and done thing. 
We must continuously walk. We must continuously follow Jesus. We must continually be in his word, using his word as a light for our path. And if we continuously stay plugged into the light source, guess what? Darkness will never overtake us, no. But, but that, that doesn't mean that sometimes we still have to walk through dark places. Sometimes we still have to walk through dark places. Because this world can be a dark place. It's the natural state of things. Sometimes we still have to walk through dark valleys. Jesus told his disciples this a little later in the Gospel of John, John 16, 33. He said, in this world, in this world, you will. You will have trouble. And when it comes, you can take heart because I've overcome the world. In this world, we all have trouble. There will be darkness. There will be valleys. But we too can take heart. We too can take heart. And perhaps you're here today and you're facing a dark valley, a troubling time. That happens a lot this time of year, maybe from something that's taken place in our past. All the lights, festivities, gatherings. And you might find yourself here walking through maybe a dark valley, a troubling time. I want you to be encouraged today by the words of Jesus and John. That as long as you walk with him, keep your eyes on him, keep your eyes up, keep walking with him, you'll never be without the light. No matter how dark it may seem, no matter how hard it may seem, as long as you walk with Jesus, you'll never be without the light. Take that to heart and keep walking in his light, plugged into him as your source. Walk while there's time. Walk. That's the first point that Jesus is making. Then second, at the beginning of verse 36, he says this. We get to believe. Jesus said, believe in the light while you have the light. Believe in the light while you can. Have just a little while to do that. And believe is also an active verb, meaning a continuous action. And that's faith, right? Faith is a living faith. It's an active faith. It's a, a saving faith naturally produces good works. We talked about this when we looked at James. And, and so, really, when you look at the word believe in verse 36 and the word walk in verse 35, these are inseparable. Because true belief, true believers, they walk differently. They look differently. True belief means we no longer walk in darkness. That's what Jesus is saying here. We're a new creation. We don't continuously walk in darkness. Not at all. Why? Because true belief means that we surrender our lives to Jesus as our King and as our Lord. Because that's who He is. He's King. He's Lord. He's God. You know, if you really want to know the true one and only living God, then you need to know Jesus because Jesus is God. That's what Jesus goes on to talk about in verses 44 and 45. When you make a decision about Jesus, you're making a decision about God. If you want to know what God looks like, the invisible God, you don't need an imagination. You don't, not at all. You look in his word. You don't need to look any further than Jesus. The Bible says, Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that the Son is the image of the invisible God. 
The deity of God is the deity of Jesus, meaning that Jesus shares in equality the nature and stature of God. He shares equally in holiness, sovereignty, glory, beauty, grace, mercy. In any message, any belief system, any doctrine, when is no doctrine at all that makes Jesus less than God because he is God. Anything that says anything differently, making Jesus less than God, is straight from the pits of hell, from the pits of darkness. Run, flee, it's wrong. It flies in the face of God's word. It goes against what Jesus, Jesus' very words here in John. If Jesus says that he's God and he's not, then that makes him either a liar or a lunatic. But he is. And so our response needs to be surrendering to him for who he is as Lord and as King. You see, that's what it means to believe. It means surrendering to Jesus as our King and as our Lord because that's who he is. We, this means this is more than just kind of one foot in and one foot out. It's more than that. We don't, we, don't, we don't come to Jesus and make it about our terms. We don't make Jesus who we want him to be. We don't get to define who Jesus is. God's word does that. We can't, we can't accept Jesus just as a person and not as God. This is a core tenet, a core doctrine to the Christian faith. Can't miss this. Because one day, in just a little while, every single one of us is going to stand in front of the king. Every human being will stand in front of Jesus. And at that moment, he's either going to be our savior or he's going to be our judge. That's what Jesus says in verses 47 and 48 of this chapter. Be our Savior, our judge, we'll stand condemned or we'll stand completely cleansed. We'll stand in front of him forgiven and free or guilty, found guilty. And the verdict will be determined by whether we believe or disbelieve. The verdict will be determined by whether we walked as children of light or walked in the darkness. You know, nine years ago, I went through, a, it's probably been nine plus, pretty, pretty wild ride, my own little cancer journey. And since that time, over the last several years, I've had the opportunity and I've had the privilege to talk to and minister to many other people that were facing their own journey with some kind of a health crisis or cancer itself. And I remember a conversation that I had with an individual quite a few years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And during the course of the conversation, eventually I, I asked him and I said, where are you at with Jesus? You're going to be meeting him soon. Are you ready? And he said to me, you know, 
I never had room in my life. I never had place for him, for him in my life before. And I sure as heck don't have room in, his, in my life for him now. And that broke my heart. And my prayer, and I hope that he came to terms with Jesus because in just a little while, every one of us are going to come face to face with him. And we have just a little while to believe in Jesus, just a little while to walk in the light of Christ. And when we do, guess what happens? It's the third verb at the end of verse 36. We become children of light. And this isn't something that we inherit from our parents. We don't inherit this kind of uh, childlike status from our grandparents. No, it's a choice. It's a decision that every single person will need to make. And you know what I think is just so cool about the verb become? It's not active. It's not continuous like the other two. You see, here it is. The moment that we believe in Jesus as our Lord, as our King, and walk in the light, we become children of light. At that moment, that's good news. Think about that. Sometimes this is the spot where you say a little amen. The moment we believe in Jesus as our King and as our Lord and walk in the light of Christ, we become children of light. And when we surrender to Him as our Master, then we naturally reflect the light of the one we follow. That's what children of light do. Walk, believe, become. Walk, believe, become. These three are not independent of one another. They're interdependent upon one another. You see, these three are bound together to form one message. You know what that message is? It starts with a G, ends with an L. It's called the gospel. And I believe Jesus captures the gospel in a beautiful way in verse 46. We read this earlier, that one sentence, but I want to read it again because Jesus said this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Believing in Jesus and walking in his light, at that moment we become children of light. When we believe in him and walk with him, we also inherit eternal life. Jesus talks about this at the end of this chapter. And what a future promise, an eternal promise, but it's also a promise for us today. The moment we become children of light, we now have eternal life from that moment on. That's the power of the gospel. The moment we become children of light, we no longer need to stay in darkness. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 46. We don't have to stay there anymore. We walk in the light of Christ. Even though the world may be dark around us, we have hope. That's the power of the gospel. Even when we walk through dark valleys, we don't have to fear any evil because we have a good shepherd who is right there next to us. We don't even have to fear death itself because death now hides in the shadows of the cross for those who are children of light. That's the power of the gospel. We today, right now, even though the world may be dark around us, we can experience the hope, peace, joy, and love of Christ in our lives and in our hearts. That's the power of the gospel. Be encouraged by that. The disciples, they didn't understand this before the cross. Because here in John chapter 12, the hour had come. Jesus hung on the cross, and for a little while, the, the world was dark for three hours. And they placed Jesus' body in a dark tomb in a dark cave, and he was there for three days. 
The disciples went and hid. They didn't know what to do. But what we know today, what John knew when he wrote this gospel, is that Jesus' body didn't stay there. He rose from the dead on the third day through the power of God the Father. And light burst forth from the tomb. That's good news. That's the gospel. And Jesus presented himself in his resurrected, resurrected body to many people. It happened. It took place in history. It's a fact. And the disciples themselves saw, saw Jesus in his resurrected body. At least for a little while. For just a little while. Because the day came when Jesus had to ascend back in full glory to the heavenly throne room next to the Father. And he had told the disciples that's what was going to happen. They didn't want him to go, and I can't blame them. Right? But he said to them in John 16, 7, that it's necessary. I must leave in order for the advocate to come. Jesus said, I must leave. I must leave in order for God's plan to come to complete fruition. It was necessary for Jesus to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to come. And today, the moment we believe and walk with Jesus we have his very spirit inside of us. We have the spirit of the living God inside of us. And that's where the light comes from that shines into a dark world. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the gospel. The apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. And by the way, in the new year, we're going to go verse by verse through Philippians. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. In Philippians is one of my favorite passages. Maybe I say that about a lot of books, but I can't wait. And I also am so glad that we're doing this Light of the World series because Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As children of light, as children of light, we should shine like stars in the sky. And when do, when do stars shine their brightest? Yeah, when do stars shine their brightest? When it's the darkest, right? When the night seems to be the darkest. A couple weeks ago, Kellen and I, we went hunting together. You can probably think all I do is hunt, but I do other things, I promise. We were hunting together, and uh, he went to bed a little bit before me, and I just sat out on the lawn chair, spending some time with Jesus. And I'll tell you what, the night was crystal clear. There wasn't, there wasn't a cloud. The moon was gone. And for the first time in a long time, I saw the Milky Way. Saw a shooting star. <laughs> and I saw thousands and thousands of stars that shone brightly. You see... Since Jesus is no longer here in physical form, he ascended to the Father. Since he ascended, in many ways the mantle has been now turned over to us. Because we have a Holy Spirit torch that's lit inside of each one of us the moment we become children of light. And that Holy Spirit torch is what gives us the strength to walk through the dark valleys. It's the Holy Spirit torch that allows us to walk by faith and not by sight alone. It's the Holy Spirit torch that shines brightly into a dark world. And the more we surrender to Christ as king, the more we're filled with his spirit. And the more that torch lights up the dark world around us. And you know what? When things seem to be the darkest in this world, that's when we should shine the brightest. 
That's God's plan for his people. That's God's plan for his church. That's what it means to be children of light. And we have just a little while longer to shine like stars. Just a little while longer to shine like stars. You know, back to that Lewis and Clark Cavern. Lovely experience. Down there at the bottom, tour guides telling the story. And the story's about, and maybe you remember this, but it's about an individual from about 70 years ago, a guy who got lost at the bottom of the caverns. He was lost for like three days, complete, utter darkness. And when they found him, finally they found him, they said that he, he was dealing with something called cave blindness. He was so disoriented, he didn't know if he was standing, if he was laying down, he had no idea. And they also saw a tight pattern around him that he had been walking because he just kept walking in tight circles. He had no idea where he was. He thought he was finding the exit. Just walked in circles, kind of like I did when I was lost out hunting that one time. And that cave blindness, in his cave blindness, he also reported saying that it felt like he had little spiders and snakes crawling all over his skin. No thanks, right? I want you to imagine for just a moment you're lost. The lamp has gone out. You're in the bottom of the Lewis and Clark Caverns, and it's dark. And you have no idea where you're at. You have no idea how to get out. There's no light. And the situation looks dire. Then all of a sudden, there's a light in the distance. And it becomes brighter and brighter. It gets closer to you. And once again, you feel like maybe there is hope. As it gets brighter, it comes into your area. And the person who's carrying the light, you hear this statement, these words from his mouth. He says, come, follow me. Come. Follow me. And it's in that moment. It's in that place. You have a decision to make. You have a choice to make. You can choose to say, no, I think I'm good. I can handle this myself. I can figure out on my own strength, on my own wisdom, how to get out of this cave, how to get out of the darkness. Or you can choose to follow the light. Because then the voice continues and he says, come, follow me, all you who are burdened, all you who are weary, and find rest. Come, follow me and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and your soul will find rest. Come, follow me, and you'll never be thirsty again. Come, follow me. I'm the only one who knows the way home. And so you get up and you begin to follow him. And immediately when you do, his light seems to bounce off of you somehow. And you begin to notice all the other people in the cave. 
Multitudes of people who are in the darkness, they have no idea what they're doing, no idea how to get out. And as you pass them by, you say, come, let me tell you about the one I'm following. Let me tell you about the source of light. Come, let me tell you about what he's done for me. Come, let me tell you about my king. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, come quickly, because I'm on my way home. Let's pray. With heads bowed, eyes closed. <laughs> you might be here today and recognize that you've been living in darkness your whole life. Maybe you're here and you've always thought, yeah, I can figure this out on my own. Really don't need to trust Jesus. Don't need to follow him. And you realize that's not getting you anywhere. Maybe today you know that his spirit is calling you by name to step from darkness into the wonderful light of Christ. You can do that right now. By believing in Jesus, you can tell Jesus, Jesus, I am sorry for trying to do this on my own. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. You can tell Jesus you're sorry right now. And begin the journey. You can let that happen today. Then tell Jesus, just thank him. Thank him that he's the one who died on the cross in our place. Thank him for that. Thank him for walking through the veil of death the veil of darkness so that we don't have to. The eternal veil. Thank him for that. And then finally, pledge your life. Surrender to him. Tell him you want to follow him as Lord and as king. You can tell him that right now. And if you prayed that prayer with heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand, make eye contact with me? This is an eternal decision. It happens today for you. And I want to celebrate knowing that the angels in heaven are celebrating. Yep, I saw you. Anybody else? Give you a moment. Cool. I want you to know the angels in heaven are celebrating every time a sinner repents. Thank you, Lord. God, thanks for making a way. Jesus, thanks for making a way. Thanks for tearing the veil so that we can have a relationship with, with you, with the Father. We are grateful. Thanks for allowing your blood to be shed. It's your blood that cleanses us. Thanks for setting us free. Thanks for the decisions that are made today. Thanks that now those who are children of light, when we see you, we'll see you as Savior, not as judge. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Could I ask you to stand? You're about ready to get out of here even quicker than just a little while. But a couple things. First off, uh, if you came prepared today to give of tithes and offerings and worship that way, we do have boxes in the back. You can drop that off there right next to the door. Also, if you're maybe facing a dark time, a dark place, some troubling things in your life, it's a privilege for us to pray. I'll be up front along with some other pastors, godly men and women, and we, we always find that a privilege to do. Remember, we have just a little while, just a little while to walk in the light. So to help with that, remember we have that Advent-type calendar. If you don't have one, we've got more in the back. There's a verse each day reminding us of the light. Encourage you to spend just a little time every day starting your day that way. Use that calendar. And also we have just a little, little time, just a little time to be the light. Would you take an invite card if you don't have one and prayerfully consider who you're going to invite to a Christmas Eve service? 
And here's the best part. Now you leave. This is the best part. Get out of here. Now we get to go out in the world and shine like stars. We have just a little while to do it. Now's the part where we get out there and be the church. So let's get out there and get it done. Love you guys. Have a great week.